Welcome to The Shiv Show, where we are all about people getting to know people. We are here to humanize the individual behind their brand and share their story with the world, with, of course, a few laughs in the mix. Now, it's time for your host, Australia's most Canadian podcaster, and just like the knife, Shivran. How are we doing, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show, where we're all about people getting to know people. Now, in this episode, we get to meet Yasmin Grigalunas. And let me tell you, this lady is a huge, huge, huge inspiration. Yasmin built a fundraiser from the ground up and took it from $15,000 in year one to $90,000 in year three. And this year is actually gearing up for a quarter of a million dollars and it's only a few years old. I love what she stands for. She just oozes positivity. And listen to the episode. I can guarantee you, you'll be feeling happy all day long. It's just what Yaz does. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. And without further ado, here is Yasmin Grigalunas. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Shiv Show. Today, it is my privilege to interview someone who's literally been changing the world over the past few years. She's built a fundraiser from the ground up. And it's continuing to grow at a massive, massive rate. I can't wait for you all to hear her story. I, for one, am pumped up. So without further ado, Yasmin, welcome to The Shiv Show. Thanks, Shiv. It's fantastic to be here today. <laughs> Good. And Yasmin, listen, like I said before, this is, this is your episode. We want to get to know all about you. We want to get to know all about your story. But before I ask you to just explain yourself a little bit, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Is that okay with you? Yeah, sure. Done. A hero to me is somebody who, you know, puts their own interests aside, puts their own assets aside to, to actually help someone. And this is literally what you're doing. <laughs> so what, uh, what's your definition of a hero? Wow, that's a tough one, Shiv. I've never really thought of myself as a hero. Um, I think a hero is someone who does put their own interests aside, someone who really does live their life for others, mm-hmm. you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the world today of, of, you know, what's in it for me? How am I going to benefit from this? What am I going to do today to make myself better? But I think, you know, maybe a hero is someone who looks at life through other people's eyes mm-hmm. and thinks, how can I help that person in need? And whether it's someone, you know, in, in need from a poverty perspective, in need from a, a disability perspective, or in need just from a bit of love and attention perspective. I think a hero is someone who looks at life through other people's eyes and then adapts themselves to help that other person have a better experience. I love that. I love that. And, and, and really, Yasmin, I, I think this is exactly what you're doing through the fundraiser. And, you know, obviously you're a very positive person. Um, you know, so a real life hero for sure. Oh, for thank sure. You. <laughs> no problem. Yasmin, why don't you just jump in and tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Well, I am the eldest of four children and my mum is a hero. She was a single mum at 21 when my dad took off and uh, she had three girls under three. And so if you want to talk about a hero, then definitely a big shout out to my fantastic mum there. And so mum really gave her life up for us girls and um, we moved in with my grandparents from that very young age. And my nan and pop, um, another two heroes in my life, um, really raised us while mum went out and earned a living to be able to support the three of us girls. And look, life was fantastic. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of things, but we had no idea that we didn't have a lot of money and didn't have a lot of things. What we had was each other and, and family is certainly something ingrained into, um, you know, the foundation of my life. Nan and Pop gave up their lives to be able to raise, you know, my mum's children and support them as their own and so we lived in a tiny little two bedroom and a sleep out um, mm-hmm. place on the Kingsway in Miranda in Sydney and um, and and we effectively had an enormous family by um, basically having my nan and pop's youngest children who are my aunties and uncle yep. really as siblings so you mm-hmm. know I've, I feel like I was one of six for a little while there in my life and and look you know mum mum worked very hard and and raised us well you know, we didn't have, as I said, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, once we moved out from Nan and Pops, you know, I probably was around maybe early teens, maybe even slightly pre-teens. Um, by then, I had a, a little brother who came along from another relationship that my mum had. And uh, the four of us 
children plus mum. We moved into a little housing commission house in Sydney, so we did it tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But mum continued to support us and work hard. And, and look, we took off to Queensland not long after that and started life fresh up here in Queensland. And let me tell you, I'm, I might not have been born in Queensland, but I certainly consider myself a Queenslander through You're and Queenslander, through. Queenslander, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Who's um, your team, by the way? Yeah, on oh, my team, definitely. Well, I'm a Brisbane Lions fan, yep. I have to admit, and uh, and certainly state of origin, Queensland all the way. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've lived in Queensland since then and, um, you know, I finished my schooling here in Queensland and, and finished my schooling in public school. Um, we were in private school in Sydney. My nan and pop helped support that. and um, But we were public school all the way from about grade 9 through to grade 12 and mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Red Bank Plains State High School girl, um, you know, and grew up in an area where, you know, we, we did it tough. Um, but, you know, certainly along the way, I had some fantastic uh, mentors and some fantastic people in my life help influence me. And really, mum drove it home hard. Mm-hmm. She always said these words to us. She said, girls, and my brother, of course, but he came along nine years later. But, yeah. but she said, girls, I really want you to have a better life than me. I don't want you to have the life I had. You know, my dad was abusive and, and thank goodness he left. And um, mum never wanted that for us. She always wanted us to marry amazing men, you know, raise great children and, and do what we could to have a better life than her. And she said it in a selfless way, wow. not in a way yeah. that not in a way that was, you know, my life's terrible, mm-hmm. more in a way is that I want better for you girls. And she sacrificed her whole life for us. And, yeah. and you know, she remarried and, and my stepdad is, is another hero. He's... He treats our children as his own, even though they're not by blood. And, and you know, he's he's the pop to my kids and, you know, the stepdad to me. And, you know, we the three of us girls now, and, and I mean, we've got a bunch of kids between us and we're all still married to the men we married, you mm. know, 20 plus years ago. And so I think we're a product of mum. You yeah, know, and it's she, such a strong bond. Oh, it's it's amazing. It mm-hmm. really is amazing. And so, you know, that's really me. And and look, I work really hard. I, I won't. It took me a long time to admit that, but I'm a very hard worker. Maybe a bit obsessed, and possibly a workaholic. But <laughs> um, I'm proud of that. That's yep. who I am. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad Especially thing. Especially for what you're doing. It's not a bad thing yeah. at all. Oh, look, it's my normal. And, and I used to fight against it and think, oh, my goodness, you know, this is not normal. But really, I've come to the term of thinking that it's my normal. Mm-hmm. And I realize now that there's been a lot of influences along the way that have got me to be this, um, you know, that have that high work ethic. And certainly my pop, who was a bank manager, he worked very hard to support us. Mm-hmm. And certainly my mum, who went out and worked incredibly hard to support us, I think I've got my a lot of my work ethic from them, them and and look my first um, my first experience in the workforce I was a pizza delivery driver for Silvio's who mm-hmm. are, are now Domino's who bought Domino's and you know I'm I'm Domino's blood through and through and let me tell you if you ever want to learn how to work well in the workforce go and go and work in a Domino's store work at the, and yeah, it'll, Domino's shop. It'll, yeah. It will set you up for success in the future. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly believe that. Is it that that because of the, what the multitasking? Yeah, the work ethic, the multitasking. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to land in, in a store where Kerry um, May at the time was, um, and Don Don's the CEO of Domino's, and Kerry is his sister. So talk about how lucky am I to yeah. have lucked on to have Kerry as a mentor and someone. She was my first boss, and you know I don't think I could have had a better. Um, a better start in the in the big wide world of work than have Kerry as my first manager. So you know, multitasking, fast pace, great customer service, mm-hmm. answer the phone in three rings. You know, make pizzas, cut pizzas, deliver pizzas. I mean, it's the whole gamut of you know what you experience in the world. And at the time, you don't realise that you think you're just delivering a pizza or making a pizza or cutting a pizza, but really, what you're doing is you're setting the foundations for the future of your own career. Wow, I really like that. The simple, the simple things, eh? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> the simple things. Yasmin, you know, we just just going back to your childhood a little bit. What was ten year old Yasmin like? You're obviously a very giving person. Were you always like this? Oh, look, I'm the eldest, so I think my sisters will say that I'm the bossy one, <laughs> the one that kind of makes them do what I want them to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm really yeah. good at influencing others <laughs> <laughs> um, because I was the eldest sister. And look, I I think ten year old Yasmin was probably a little bit cheeky. Um, you know, but always a, 
I think always good. In fact, I could say that about my whole family. We're good people. We do good things. We don't really and didn't really get messed up in drugs. We didn't really do illegal things. You know, we just didn't do the wrong things. Mum mm-hmm. might. If you, if you ever talk to my mum, she might tell you I was the bad one. But um, I think I was always trying to push the envelope, always trying to understand, you know, not break the rules, but understand, well, what more can I do? I know that that's the capacity of what you're telling me, but surely we can push it further. Surely we can go harder. Surely we can do more. And I think I was always challenging that, but in a way that had goodness at the heart. Mm -hmm. And I see it in my 11-year-old daughter right now. Let me tell you. Oh, my goodness. I look at her and think, oh, my gosh, I must have been like that when I was 10 or 11. (laughs) And it's an interesting experience to think back and reflect on how you might have been as a child. Yeah. It really is. I mean, when I look back at how I was as a child, I think that a lot of the traits are still the same, but how they grow over the years is just amazing. Yeah. Right? And I, I don't have any kids, but um, you know, I'm excited for the day that I can start seeing their personalities grow. Right? Because yeah. you probably see, like you said, you see it in your 11-year-old daughter. I do, I do. And let me tell you, Shiv, and I'm sure a lot of parents will sit out there and not along with me today, and those of you who aren't, aren't parents... You know, be warned. We have two girls and they're 15 months apart. And when girl number two popped out, I was expecting this clone of girl number one. <laughs> yep. Same personality, same, you know, same strategies, same thoughts. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I have two opposite girls. Completely one, different, hey? <laughs> completely different. One is a, an introverted, academic, you know, um, it's just an unusual child, different to what I ever expected, yeah. but amazing. She teaches me how to be a great parent. And the other one is this fun-loving, wants to change the world herself and just be good to everybody, um, more extroverted but still a little bit introverted. But um, one, she, both of our girls just, you know, we just recently travelled Australia and both of our girls have this life aspiration mm-hmm. to live in Tasmania on a mountain. One wants to live in a cottage, the other <laughs> wow. wants to live in a mansion and they want to sell coffee and they just want to have animals and have people come and visit them mm-hmm. so that they can help serve other people. Like, that's all they want to do in life and I just think how how sweet and innocent and yeah. beautiful. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I love that. <laughs> it's cool. A couple goals already. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, you know, I want to get into uh, the world's biggest garage sale. And the more I read about you, the more I hear about you, the more impressed I am. You started this charity by doing, what was it, some spring cleaning and realizing that you didn't want a few things. And then you got your community to do the same. That is yeah. brilliant. Brilliant. So why don't you tell us about the world's biggest garage sale and how that started? Well, look, you know, at the time we were members of a triathlon squad and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of great type A personalities in a triathlon squad and we've got some fantastic friends now from that time and you know a bunch of us were doing various races and trying to raise money for various things and and you know we're selling cupcakes and raffle tickets and doing all sorts of stuff to try and make a buck here and there for charity and I said to my husband Lee I said you know I feel like there's this donor fatigue you know we're all giving and we all want to give and when person one asks for money and then person two asks for money I want to say yes to both of them but you just can't keep saying yes yeah exactly and I said you know I have this crazy idea what do you think about us spring cleaning the house getting rid of all the stuff from the kids childhood that they don't use anymore all the stuff we have in our cupboards we don't need anymore and are you okay if I donate the money to charity instead of bank it and he said yes of course I'm okay go do it do whatever you like and so because I'm not someone that likes to do things by halves, I decided to call it the world's biggest garage sale. Yeah. <laughs> and I created a little Facebook page and I thought, all right, I'm going to tell my friends and family that I'm having the world's biggest garage sale. We'll have it at our garage in Kedron, in our home, yep. and people can just deliver stuff to us that they want to donate. And along at Squad, when we were training, people would bring donations, so I'd take them home and start filling the garage. And look, within a couple of weeks, the garage filled up so much that we could no longer have the garage sale at home in our mm-hmm. garage. Um, and so I rang the local bowls club at, at Wavell there and I said, look, guys, we've got a garage full of stuff. We need to have a garage sale. Can we have it in your hall on Saturday in a week? And they're like, yeah, sure. Okay, come on, <laughs> come on down and have the garage sale here. Yeah. So, you know, we hired the hall. We didn't pay much for it. And the problem we had, Shiv, was we had this garage full of items 
we had another storage shed full of items. And thank goodness for National Storage, who gave us some storage space in an emergency situation Mm -hmm. for a great donation that we had. We ended up having a few truckloads of donations that we just had no way of getting to this hall. And so I started to think logistically, all right, how many mates have I got that have utes? How much is it, co- is it going to cost me if I have to hire a ute? Mm-hmm. And then I had um, my sister's um, mother-in-law actually said to me, Yes, why don't you just call Mini Movers? And I thought, oh my gosh, of course, yeah. let me call Mini Movers. So we gave them a ring and they, they thankfully saved the day and sent a couple of guys down and a couple of trucks truckloads later we filled this hall and we literally moved in on a Friday afternoon we had all the stuff delivered to the center of the hall and I had 50 friends and family and we got some pizza that night for dinner and we literally set the hall up overnight some of us stayed the whole night Um, others you know worked through to midnight after midnight it was crazy I, I honestly don't even remember the craziness that there was but Pretty much I know that about 50 of my friends and family sacrificed their life for a couple of days yep. to help set up that event. And at the end of the day, we um, we had a little checkout. We got people through. We had people arriving at 4 a.m. It was crazy. <laughs> and we, we sold sausages. We baked cupcakes. And we ended up selling $15,000 worth of stuff. And that was in the first year. That was the first year. And a friend wow. of mine, Alan Kepper... He was on the checkouts with me all day long, and Alan said to me at the end of the day, he said, Yaz, you know what you've done, don't you? (laughs) He said, you've just created something. You need to do this again. I said, Alan, I am there already. Let's do this again. (laughs) And and every year since we've done it, and and with people like Alan and an abundance of other friends and family by our sides, we've been able to repeat that, and in 2014, we did it bigger and um, I actually took a month off work in 2014 and decided to actually run it like a project and see how we could go and uh, we were kindly donated the, the use of a school for two weeks to set up and we ended up raising $60,000 in year two, which is ridiculous. Oh. It, it almost killed us. It grew so quickly. We yeah. were like, oh my <laughs> gosh, how are we going to manage this? And um, we just, you know, we decided to come back in 2015 and do it again mm-hmm. and um, in 2015, you know, I took a different approach again. We, we put the project through a system called Agile, which, you know, a lot of people might be familiar with, Agile Methodologies. Mm-hmm. It's a project management system. A lot of software companies use it. And, you know, we used um, Jira, which was the product. And I said to my husband, all right, you've got to come on board with me. We're going to run this project in Jira. We're going to run it like it's, you know, like it's a business. Yep. But we're just still a mum and dad bake sale, basically. <laughs> and, um, you know, this time we had about 150 volunteers help us. We moved into a warehouse um, at Cooper's Plains, which was donated to us by Goodman, who are incredible partners. And uh, we ended up raising almost 90 grand at our third event. Wow. So 15 to 60 to 90. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, hey? Wow. Really crazy. So, so question for you. So the first event, how long was the process from creating that Facebook event to actually having the charity event? Oh, it was a, a matter of, weeks not very long at all Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks maybe yeah so what was running through your head at the time like logistically oh look i thought to myself you know this is really easy we just need to get stuff donated to us Mm -hmm. and we're not paying for it so our costs are minimal um let's ring a, a local radio station see if we can get a little bit of support from the quest newspaper and thankfully we we lucked on to a wonderful lady at Quest called Jody, and she was like, yes, we'll run, we'll run a couple of little ads for you. And, um, and with very minimal marketing, we just whipped it together in no time at all. And we honestly didn't have a lot of time to think about it. It was just an accidentally successful event, I think. Wow. And you had 50 people or, you know, around 50 people of your closest yeah. friends come and help. That, is, just, that just goes to show what kind of person you are, yes. <laughs> oh, they're just look, coming out to help you. Know, it 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 was amazing. I'm in awe of it. You know, we we talk about the garage sale today, and a lot of people associate it as you know our thing. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I if I had had a garage full of stuff to sell like we've had in the past, there's no way even between myself and my family that we could pull it together without the help of the amazing community and the friends and family that have supported us right from the beginning. Wow. That's awesome, yeah. So you're obviously a great communicator, a great influencer. What were you doing before all of this? Oh, look, my background is um, certainly sales, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. I met my husband working for a company here in Brisbane called GBC Photograph, and 
and and after I you know left pizza, I um, you know I, I took a break from the late nights and the early mornings and decided that I just wanted to try something different. So mm-hmm. you know I went and, and was lucky to get a job at, at GBC where I met my husband, um, and we were both telemarketing at the time, and. You know, it, it certainly wasn't the path I thought that I would take in life, but I really enjoy talking to people. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, oh, let's see how I go at this. And, you know, before too long, you know, I was I was doing well at that and able to find myself being promoted. So um, I I then actually telemarket a place telemarketed a place called Video Pro here in Brisbane. Yep. Um, they're a Queensland, you know, born and bred business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to work for them. They sold great technology. I loved their projectors. And um, the company I was working for at the time was stopping selling projectors. So I thought, all right, well, of course you ring the CEO of the company and you ask them for a job. Isn't that what you do? <laughs> so, so I managed to get an interview and, and thankfully... Um, so you, you actually, you actually called the CEO directly? Absolutely, I called there you the go. CEO. I love it. <laughs> I said, Shane, I, I'm Yasmin. How are you? I'd really like to come and work for your company. Um, you know, I love projectors. I know you sell them. How about, have you got any jobs available? Wow. <laughs> he he takes a great. lot of guts, he, yes. Uh, I just <laughs> thought it was normal. So I just, you know, I went in and met a guy called Graham Evans, who, who's still a great mentor and friend today. And he interviewed me and, and said, all right, we've got a job. Do you want, this is the role. You're going to start a new um, department in our business. We've never done it before. It's um, education. We want you to look after our education department through the business center. And I was like, all right, what's that mean? And he <laughs> said, okay, well, we want, we want you to sell projectors to schools. We want to grow our school market. And I said, okay, I can do that. Of course I can do that. And so when I came, you know, the only person in the education team, and, and I grabbed the, their, their ream of paper with mm-hmm. their old sales history on it, and I highlighted all the schools that they'd sold to in the past. And I thought, all right, that's where I'm going to start. And then I, I worked out, you know, how to find all the other schools that they hadn't sold to. And I said, I'm going to sell a million dollars worth of projectors this year for you. And they're like, what? <laughs> I said, yep, I'm going to sell a million dollars. We're going to do this. And, and look, I'm not really, I, I say my background sales, but I'm so not a salesperson. Mm-hmm. You know, most people associate salespeople with, and, and I think it's a myth. They think salespeople are you know, you know those annoying traditional pushy, types. Pushy, yeah, aggressive. Pushy, yeah. aggressive. I am so not anything like that. Yeah. I'm all about love, all about the relationship. And for me, selling is not telling. Selling is listening. Yeah. And selling is, selling is going, okay, well, what's the challenge that you have and how do I help you solve your problem? And how do I make my business adapt mm-hmm. so that we can provide you with the service you need, not how do I make you buy my product? And so... I'm definitely not a how do I make you buy my product person. Um, so it's different. And I was the only female salesperson at the time at Video Pro. And I absolutely would have ruffled some feathers. And I don't know that I'm proud of that. And I don't know that I'm not proud of that. But it's just it's just what it was in a male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I just went about the, the, the business of growing this business that I was trusted to grow at a very young age. I think I was 21 at the time. And with trust. And with great mentors around me and with a lot of challenges ahead, um, you know, we grew that business over the, I was there for 13 years at Video Pro and we grew that department into the biggest, um, the biggest education supplier in the state for audiovisual technology to to education. So, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty cool journey. And and I love the story. As you know, I'm in sales, which is how we met through my, my state manager, Michael Reed. I, I love this story because I don't consider myself a salesperson either. I just consider myself a people person. Yeah, it's about that I, that interaction, about building that relationship. So you, you got it bang on. I, I love that. I think that the people, the people person, when it comes to selling, that's the way you do business. No mm-hmm. one buys a product; they buy the person. Yeah. And I think if we can challenge that that traditional sales thinking to flip it on its head and actually think more about what the customer wants and needs and are creating genuine relationships with them, then if you truly do that, even when you don't win a deal, if you want to use that old traditional language, mm-hmm. if you don't close the deal, if you don't win the business, that's okay. Because if you maintain the relationship, you win the deal. That's the way I view sales. Agreed. Agreed. You may not win this one, but you win, you win mm-hmm. the next five. You absolutely right? And it has do. to do with the relationship. Yes, absolutely. So when you lose a deal, walk away with pride 
and understand what you didn't do mm-hmm. or what your product lacked and then continue to work with the customer. Don't drop them. Continue to work with them and continue to be their friend. Continue to understand their business and their strategy. And one day at that different time, you may then have a product or a service that meets their need. And yeah. they will come back to you because of your relationship, not mm-hmm. because of your product. I love that. I love that. I still have some customers in Canada that I, that I keep in contact with. And wow, it's just, it's, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. Because yeah. it's you know, about the relationship. I, yeah, it's about the relationship. And I think, uh, you know, it's, 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 it strikes me that it comes back to pizza. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can buy a pizza from anybody. And at the time, there were Domino's and Pizza Hut and Pizza Haven and, you know, everybody out there mm-hmm. selling pizza. And, you know, back when I was selling pizza, they were, they were cheap as. Pizza was four ninety five, five ninety five, cheap as to make. And so your price wasn't your differentiator. And we were taught that really early. Yep. We were taught that it was all about the way you treated your customers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back when I, when, when I sold pizza, we actually answered the phones in the stores. There was no call center. Oh, there was wow, no yeah. one else answering the phones for you. And I don't know if that's still the Domino's model today. I'll have to ask Don next time I catch up with him. <laughs> but um, that, it, you know, Kerry drove into us in a really professional way, answered that phone within three rings, wow that customer and they will call back they will come back that's your repeat business and that's how you grow Mm -hmm. and effectively that's selling love your customer look after them and they'll come back to you yeah i agree and no no need to be pushy or aggressive no oh my goodness no definitely not. so let me let me ask you this and just i'm going off track here but how do you how does yasmin build a relationship oh look i think it starts with listening you know there's a lot of talk these days about diversity and, you know, people automatically think of cultural diversity or gender diversity or other forms of diversity. But I think everyone has a story mm-hmm. and everyone has a purpose and everyone's on a journey. And if you can truly listen to someone else and put your own agenda aside, then I think at the end of the day, that's that's how you win. You know, that's how you create a relationship and that's how you build and maintain a relationship. And you also need to understand, and, and this was a hard lesson for me, Shiv. This is a hard lesson and I'd be interested to, to hear your own experience on it. But I really like people liking me because yep. I think I'm a really nice person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but the reality is I'm not for everybody. Yep. And I admit that openly. And that took me a little while to come to terms to. I was like, What? You don't like me? How is that even possible? Because I don't break the rules. Yeah. I, don't, I don't go out to hurt people. I'm just a really nice person. Mm-hmm. And I had to come to terms with, and I did it through journaling and you know reflection, and I work at a rapid speed, and that freaks people out sometimes. Yeah. And I started to realize then, when my clock speed didn't align with other people's clock speed, that, whoa, you know, this does make people feel uncomfortable just like I feel uncomfortable at times mm-hmm. when, you know, I'm surrounded by people that, that are different to me. But I love that difference. I embrace that difference. And I think that that's how you build relationships. Yeah. You know, we have people volunteering for us who are in their 70s, Shiv, and their clock speed is completely different to yeah. mine and everyone else's <laughs> on the team. But um, these people just want to come in and they want to hear, they want to have their story heard. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can listen to other people and hear their story, then you can adapt and provide them with the means of what they're looking for, for a relationship. Yep. And you can do that by adapting yourself while still being authentic to who you are. And I, I feel like that's how I build relationships. You I have love a, that. I love yeah, that. You, just, you just have to be free and different and prepared to, to embrace people for who they are and take them on the journey that they want to go on yeah, while and, intertwining your own journey. And you said something really important that, you know, you, you may not be for everyone. And I think that, that the fact that you realize that is, is powerful. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I had a friend ask me yesterday uh, if I'm a morning person or a night person. And I said, I'm, I'm actually an all-day person. Like I, yeah. I'll wake up at 5.30 in the morning and I'm happy all up until I go to sleep. And, and I've had people tell me that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way too positive around them. You know, and, and to me, I mean, that's me. I'm not going to change. But I, I can't yeah. expect them to change either. And before I used to, um, 
before I used to expect everybody to change and smile. And I kind of realized that as long as I'm happy and, and my core people in my force field are happy, then mm. I need to live my life and uh, and, and kind of realize yeah. that I'm, I'm not I'm not the flavor everyone's looking for. Yeah, right? that's so true, Shiv. That's mm-hmm. a really profound statement. And, and you made me remember, you know, back in, in my history of being, you know, a leader and a manager, um, I'm definitely not for everybody. And, and a lot of people would probably describe me in the past as tough. And I think I come across as tough because I have high expectations and I work at a rapid speed. Mm-hmm. And once upon a time, I used to think, well, well, that's what everyone needs to do. Come on, surely you want to do this. <laughs> exactly. You know, why aren't you working harder? Why aren't you working faster? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then I learned that that's not how the world works. Yeah. Because if everybody <laughs> was working learned, at that yeah. pace, it'd be, it'd be a different world. <laughs> oh, my God. It would be a horrible world. Yeah. Steve. It would be a horrible world. And, <laughs> and look, I had kids and my kids taught me and I've, I've worked with team members and team members who have been brave enough to, you know, think that, you know, I really am a pussycat that mm-hmm. maybe didn't come across like that in the past. Yeah. Um, for those of who, who know me well, I, I really am a softie and it took a lot of reflection. It took me to slow down and it took me to realize that it's okay to be different and it's okay for people to not work like I work or act like I act or, or like me or be like me. Yep. Um, there's room for everybody in this world and diversity in um, teams and diversity in leadership and diversity in thought mm-hmm. makes us all stronger and better. So I now embrace it and I, I think a lot of people that have worked with me closely over the last few years especially would agree that um, I'm certainly more true to myself now yeah. that I realize that I'm not for everybody and I'm okay with that. And, and I love that. And, and you're obviously open to different personalities on your team. So let me ask you this. What sort of ideal characteristics do you look for in employees at the world's biggest garage sale? You know, that's really easy, Shiv. For me, it's about attitude. Mm-hmm. I don't care about skill. I don't care about capability physically. I don't care about mental capacity. Really, I'm looking for people who have the right attitude, yep. who are wanting to make a difference in people's lives, whether it's through donating a great product for sale, coming and volunteering their time, or just providing some thought and advice. You know, I love positive people and I'm so attracted to them and, and that goes without saying. Yeah. If I could live in a world where everyone was positive and, you know, joy was at the controls of our of our minds every single day, then that would be my utopia. Yeah. <laughs> but I realise that's not reality and mm-hmm. I have a daughter that teaches me that that's not reality. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I know that even though someone might be more reserved, you know, quiet, um, unassuming, but have a great attitude and want to do good, then they make just as much of a contribution as the people that can come along every day and make a a bigger contribution in hours. Mm. I think that the biggest contribution is made when a bunch of like-minded people who care about the lives of others come together in a space and just bring their attitude to build what we build. And, And it's built by the volunteers. It's certainly not built by me. Yeah, and and you brought up positivity a few times. How do you how do you stay so positive all the time? Oh, look, you know, my favorite book is, and it's going to sound crazy, but my favorite all time favorite book is the Little Engine That Could, mm-hmm. and it's about the little engine that needs to climb a mountain and go over the mountain because they can't go through the mountain anymore, and this tiny little engine has absolutely no capacity to go over the mountain because it just physically can't do it according to what everybody else thinks. But this little engine, and, and let me just note to everybody that this little engine was a female, which yep. is pretty cool as a story when you're a mother of two daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, but this little engine, she just chanted to herself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And it sounds so almost juvenile and basic and simple, but I, I have no doubt, Shiv, that when I'm struck with adversity, when challenging moments come, you know, come to mind and even, you know, you know, um, I've got blockers in the way and we all do. We all have challenging days and days where we just want to throw our hands in the air and go, oh, my God, this is impossible. I can't do it. But I just don't believe in the word can't. I yep. think can't means won't. And as soon as you say that, your brain turns off parts of its, you know, capability yep. and you are limiting yourself. So for me... Anytime I feel like there's a slight bit of negativity coming my way, 
I just think of the little engine and I literally chant in my head, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And all negativity disappears and I just climb that little mountain. I love that. And and I read a quote the other day and I forgot who said it, but it was can't is a decision. Yeah. And I thought about it. It's a that's it's a decision that you're making because you're telling yourself that you can't do it. Yeah. Try try telling yourself that you can and and see what happens. I agree right. with you. If that was the only, if I could teach my children anything in life, mm-hmm. it would be that just you know can't means won't. So don't say it. Yep. It, it just push it aside. And even if you can't do it today, you know it, it, my kids say, "Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this." And I'll say. No, no, you can't do it yet. Yeah. You're not able to do it yet. Ah, I like so what that. do we need to do? What do we need to do together to help you learn what to do next? And I have a daughter that's really negative, and mm-hmm. it's so ironic that I have a de- daughter that's negative, and I love her to death, and yeah. <laughs> she teaches me to be a better mum. And she, every time she is crippled by a challenge, and she does get crippled, she, she suffers a bit of anxiety, and mm-hmm. she just gives up sometimes. And and I struggle with that because I think, oh, my goodness, it's so easy to think you can. But I always say to her when she thinks she can't, I say to her, when you were one, years old, one year old and you couldn't walk and you decided one day that you would take a few steps and then you fell on your bottom, if you gave up then and thought you can't, today you would scroll across the floor yeah. on your hands and feet and you would just be crawling everywhere. Yeah. So there must be somewhere in your brain that believes that you can because that day you stood up and you kept walking, even though you fell down, even though you stumbled, and you continued to do that until mm-hmm. you could walk perfectly, and then you ran, and then you skipped, and then you did all sorts of other things. So it's just like that moment again in your life where you need to go back to that, you might not be able to do it today, mm-hmm. but get back up when you stumble and try again. And so when I tell her that story, every single time she's negative, it turns her into being positive. So. Yeah. You know, it's really basic and simple, but it's just about the way you think. I love that. I love that. That's such a powerful story. The, mm. what, what about when you find yourself in, in sort of a slum? How do you get yourself out? Or do you even oh. ever find yourself in a slum? I feel like you I, don't. <laughs> look, I feel like I don't too. I, I, I just, I don't know that I want to even think about slumping. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there would definitely be times where I'm in a slump. And if you talk to my husband, he would say, oh, my gosh, yes, there's times when she's in a slump. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do I do? I I love to run. I run every day, Shiv. Yep. I set myself a goal in 2017 because I got the poos with myself in 2016 mm-hmm. when I made all these excuses that I couldn't run because I'd never run by myself. Yep. So I decided that I would run in in 2017 every single day. And so it's really easy to say, oh, I can't run today because it's raining, there's a thunderstorm, there's lightning, I'm tired, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. But I think I've learned that, that running is my meditation. And okay. so when I run, I, I go into this zone of maybe anti-slumping and mm-hmm. I think about all the great things and I look at the, you know, the fact that I'm alive and I'm able to run and I've got an amazing family and you know, we have our health. And, you know, we want to do this good in the world. You know, how can you be slumpy when you have that? And, I mean, there's people in this world who have it so much worse off than us. I agree. You know, in in this country and in the world. And I think, no way. How can I complain? I have a friend and, and look, she's more of an acquaintance. And Mm. through triathlon, we know her. And she, her and I are the same age, the same body structure. We race the same races. And one day, she tragically got hit by another bike. And she became a paraplegic. Oh, wow. Now, every day, I know, it's terrible. And so now every day I run, I think, well, I'm running for Danny. I'm mm-hmm. running because I bet Danny wishes she could run today. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I want to, and, and she has an amazing life and is an amazing person. But, you know, the minute you want to start to complain about something, mm-hmm. think about all the other people who can't do things that you can do. Yeah. And be grateful and appreciative of this amazing life we have. So I think life's too short to slump. There's definitely no time for it. And if it does happen, I snap out of it really quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the same. I, you know, that's such an inspiring message because I don't, I don't ever find myself in a slump. And if I do, I think it's for about four seconds and I snap out of it because I realize <laughs> the exact same thing. I, you know, life yeah. is good. My, my family is happy. They're healthy. You know, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm healthy. And, and, you know, life, life could be worse, but it's not. And I'm here it, for a reason. Right? And Steve, I, I love that you say that because 
you know, you'll be my phone a friend now. If ever I have four seconds of slumping, yeah. I'll, I'll give me a call a anytime. I will, yeah. <laughs> I will. And, and maybe that's the key, Shiv. You know, I bet if you looked at your little circle of friends yep. and who are the closest people to you, I bet they're positive people. I bet they give you energy. I bet they bring you, bring you joy. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's funny you mention that because I've I've been I don't want to use the word preach, but I've been I've been telling yeah. the, a lot of people this for the past little while. In the past year, I think I've I've done a recycling of the social group that mm. I that I hang yes. with, and and it's yeah. very important. And I recommend everybody to kind of put a magnifying glass over your social group yeah. because you you should be hanging with the the people that you want to be like, whether they're positive, whether they're successful. Um, you know, it's you you are like the five closest yeah. friends that you have. Yeah, and, and that it's important to choose those five people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Five, the mm-hmm. five people you surround yourself with yep. is what you become, and we teach our children that every day. Mm-hmm. We say, look, pick your friends and and choose the people that you want to be surrounded by because they will either make you better or yep. they might not make you better, and you're either moving forward or you're either standing still. And, and in some cases, possibly even going backwards. And I think yep. my mum taught me that. Mm-hmm. She was such, she drove the anti-drug message to us so hard yep. that we were all too scared to ever try drugs. <laughs> and so we never hung out with people. I didn't even know what a bong was yep. until I was an adult when someone actually said, oh, do you even know what it is? I'm like, of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> not. No, not really. What is it? And because, you know, we just didn't surround ourselves with people like that. And mm-hmm. and that was a choice we made. And I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, I'm certainly taking that same tact with my kids. Yep. You know, really open, honest communication. Have an awareness of the people that you're around. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you could easily get caught up in a world that you just didn't plan, plan for. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, listen, I feel like we can talk for probably two hours. <laughs> but just a couple quick questions for you. Now, Obviously, you've you've had a lot of success with world's world's biggest garage sale, and it it, it is new. It's a couple of years old, and and you're you're getting ready for a big year in 2017. Can you just let us know what uh, what the plans are for this year? I sure can. We um, this year we're actually um, going huge. So I um, Lee and I were traveling last year. We did a lap of Australia with our girls in a caravan, mm-hmm. and it was incredible. Wow. And that's yeah. a whole other story for us to do one day. Um, and you know, while we were traveling, we had a phone call from um, News Corp, as in News Corp Australia. And they said to us, look, we really love your garage sale. We want to have a garage sale in Brisbane to raise money for the Kurumal Children's Fund. Mm-hmm. Rather than compete with you, why don't we partner? How do you guys feel about that? Wow, And I said, that. gee, News Corp, who are you again? And no, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Lee, News Corp, want to partner with us? This is amazing. We've always wanted to get advertising behind the garage sale and we always knew that when we did that it would grow into enormity. So within about three seconds, I agreed to meet with the CEO and and the committee for the Kurumal Children's Fund. And let me tell you, it was the best day. Talk about positivity. That room was full of positive energy that I just didn't want to leave. (laughs) I think they had to probably pry me out of there because I was ready to pack my bags and move in. But... um, Look, it was amazing. With a partnership now with News Corp Australia and raising money for the Kurumal Children's Fund, mm-hmm. I met with a friend and and another mentor of ours, um, Mark Salvi, who, who many Queenslanders will know as Queensland's first chief entrepreneur. Yep. And um, I'm good friends with Mark's um, wife, Heidi. And, and Heidi said to me while we were travelling, she said, Yes, you really need to speak to Mark. You know, you've got this garage sale thing. It's been a hobby. You now have News Corp on board. You know, you've you got to talk about your structure, your strategy. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I think you're right. So, you know, Lee and I had lunch with Mark Salvi um, about three days after coming back from our lap around Australia. And and while we were traveling Australia, Steve, I was working for um, the company I was employed by okay. um, called AVT on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And, and when I mentioned Graham Evans before, my mentor from Video Pro, he's actually now the CEO of AVT on the Gold Coast. So, okay. So I was working with them, and instead of um, quitting my job to travel Australia, they actually offered me the opportunity to work flexibly and full-time traveling the country while I worked. Lucky Um, you. It's amazing. I know. It's incredible. (laughs) So you can imagine when I came back after 18 months of traveling the country, getting paid full-time, doing a great job for the company, and, you know, creating good relationships in business, I met with Mark Salvi, and he says, Yaz, you need to quit your job. You have to do this garage sale thing full-time. You're not going to earn any money, Yaz. 
and you don't need money. You just, you're just going to need to understand for the first 12 months, you're not going to earn a cent. Mm-hmm. If you can feed your family and survive, and you're going to have to do it tough, then, then you're a startup. You've been a startup for the last four years. You just didn't realize that. Yep. He said, you're a social entrepreneur. Your company's been good to you. Give them eight weeks notice and, and do this gig full time. Wow. And so I finished a couple of days ago at AVT after yep. working for them for about all, almost four years. <laughs> um, almost a, a year and a half of it was on the road traveling the country. Yep. And look, the first thing they said after my ugly crying to the CEO to tell him I was <laughs> resigning um, was, how can we support you, Yes, What wow. do you need? Look at that. And I know. And so they're sending a team of volunteers to come and help us at the garage sale mm-hmm. set up. And... Um, and we're going huge. We're going to raise a quarter of a million dollars this year. And um, we're going to do it with the help of the Brisbane community, both from donations and volunteers and execution on the day. Wow. That is awesome. And it it's awesome, awesome that you're getting support from, from your previous job and, and just the people and, and the Brisbane community in general. There's a, oh, I, know, I know for a fact, I know a lot of people that are coming out to help you. And that's, that's really, really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's probably timely that we, we give a shout out to Michael. You mentioned him before, mm-hmm. Chopper, as he's known by yep, many. Yep. Um, what a legend is he? The, the guys from Orange Sky, actually, Orange Sky Laundry, Nick and Lucas, um, referred us through to, to Michael and yep. said, look, you need to know this guy. He's gonna, he'll help you out with your garage sale. And the second I met Michael, he, he threw, supported us like you wouldn't believe. I was so overwhelmed. I was so excited. I literally threw myself at him and hugged him at yeah. the end of our conversation. I said, well, all right, Michael, I'm coming in for a hug. I don't know if you like hugs, but I'm coming in for a hug. I'm going to get one anyway. Because you're going to get one anyway. Because he said, yes, I can give you 30 people. I'll give you 30 of my team yep. for a full day to volunteer to help you set this garage sale up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? You're going to give me 30 people? This is amazing. So, you know, our corporate volunteering program was born through Cisco. Yep. And what a standard they're setting for the yeah, Brisbane community definitely, to, definitely. to help us. And, and it's just incredible. We cannot be more grateful for that support. Yeah. No, no, he's, he's definitely a legend. And he's, you know, he's, he's been letting us know for sure yeah. um, that we need to get out there. And uh, so, yeah, no, I think you're going to have closer to 40 people um, from Cisco, uh, which is, which is going to be fantastic. awesome. Fantastic. I think we will. And it's going to be amazing. And from that, of course, you know, comes more opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's so many people wanting to jump on board now just because we've got beautiful relationships out there in the market and, um, you know, we're very, very grateful. Yeah. Yeah, Esmond, one more question for you. And and yeah. I guess this can this can almost summarize, um, I guess, some advice. What, what advice would you have for the younger generation or, in general, people that aren't following their dreams? Oh, look, Shiv, you know, when we went on our lap around Australia, it made no financial sense at the time. It made no sense at all to pull our kids out of school for 12 months at the time that was planned. Mm-hmm. And we watched the movie, is it called We Bought a Zoo? Or, yep, yeah, yep, with, I've seen with Matt Damon, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote in there that says, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage yep. and something great will come of it. And... We live by that quote now. That's a great you know, quote. It, it, it's, it's, you don't not do something no. because it might upset another person, mm-hmm. because it might not make sense. If you feel it burning inside of you that it's the right thing to do and your intuition is saying do it and your bank account's saying not do it and your intuition and heart says do it and your, your friends are saying don't do it and, you know, everything inside of you is saying that it's the right thing to do then just go do it. Just make it happen because that 20 seconds of insane courage, if you're out there to do good for people, then goodness will come your way. And I think that you just have to sometimes trust yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sorry about the background noise. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) It's my hubby. (laughs) But um, look, I just say it's the Nike thing. Just do it. Just Just do do it. it. You know, nothing bad can come of it. The right people will come in your circle. Mm-hmm. The right you, you've got to get out there and trust yourself. You've got to you've got to socialize your idea, and you've got to tell everybody because it will make you do it well. And those people that you tell, the ones that believe in you, the ones that know within you that you have this, 
they're going to help you get it, mm-hmm. even though you don't realise that they are a part of that future for you. Yeah. And so I say, I say, do it. I Just say, get it. that courage. Be mm-hmm. insane. Take the twenty seconds of courage. Don't think about it too much yep. because the minute you start to think about it too much, the minute your brain gets in the way. Exactly. Says, oh, no, you can't do that. No, that's a silly <laughs> idea. And then all your friends jump on board and people have opinions. Yeah. You just got to gotta jump. Yep. Jump. And if you don't jump, then do what I did and go and meet someone like Mark Salvi mm-hmm. and get him to give you that push off the cliff that you need yep. so that you can fly. I love that. Wow. <laughs> Yasmin, listen... Thank you so much for coming on the Shift Show. This has been awesome, and and we have to do this again. And I'd I'd love to do an interview after this year and um after this year's event and just see how it all goes. But uh, I'm excited yeah, to be a part absolutely. of it. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Well, um, we have a website, mm-hmm. worldsbiggestgaragebell.com.au or WBGS for short okay. If you want to jump on the website, for those on social media, we also have Facebook and Twitter and. We even have a LinkedIn page. And look, you know, jump online, reach out to me, even call me on my mobile. You know, I'm happy to share my mobile details on your podcast here today, Shiv. Mm-hmm. I, I love people. I want anyone that wants to be involved and wants to reach out, yep. I will always pick up the phone and there is always something to do. We need volunteers to help us set up and we absolutely need donations. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Brisbane and it's prior to October 28 in 2017, pick up the phone, give us a call, especially corporate Brisbane. We have some amazing donations from some corporates and Coles just donated to us this week nine pallets of non-perishable stock that they're not selling from their warehouse anymore Mm -hmm. and they're donating it to us so that we can sell it at our world's biggest garage sale, which is just incredible. Nine pallets. Nine pallets of stock. We're talking thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stock, Shiv. So we need more corporates like that to jump on board. Yep. If the stock is gathering dust in your warehouse, I know Video Pro have some stock in their warehouse they're donating to us, and mm-hmm. AVT have some stock in their warehouse they're donating to us. The new stuff that comes in, it really does help us make a lot of money, mm-hmm. and that's really what we're trying to do to help Queensland kids in need is raise as much money for charity as we possibly can. Awesome. Yasmin, I'll, I'll put your mobile number actually on the, uh, the post that I'll, I'll post out this week, but... Yasmin, again, thank you so much. Such an inspiration. I love what you're doing for the community, and and, and you know, I consider myself lucky to have met you. So thank you very much. Aww, thanks, Shiv. I'm so <laughs> glad we connected. Thank you, and I love following your podcast. And every day when I run, I'm always listening in, and it's fantastic. <laughs> thank you very much, Yasmin. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, we'll chat soon. That's Yas, everybody. Thanks, Yas. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you missed anything, do not worry. Log on to shivrad.com. That's S-H-I-V-R-A-D.com to listen to this podcast again. Check out the other episodes and, of course, check out the blog. Thanks, everyone. Until next time.